The Hennessy Report from Keystone Partners, a free-flowing conversation with leaders in the HR community, talking about themselves, the industry, and their work. Brought to you in cooperation with NERA, the Northeast Human Resources Association. Welcome to the Hennessy Report. I'm Dave Hennessy, and today's guest is Graham Walters, the Chief People Officer at DraftKings. Graham has a really interesting personal story as he grew up in the compensation function, which is unique for Chief People Officers. He also left the corporate world to start a brewing business, which is still a thriving business today, and he'll share those stories. And also the story about DraftKings and their amazing growth and their amazing culture. And it's one that's based in empowerment, and that starts at the very top. Next up on the podcast is the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Liberty Mutual Insurance, and that's Don Frazier Bonert. And that's a lead-in podcast to the 25th anniversary of the NERA Diversity and Inclusion Gala, which is on April 2nd. Keynote speaker, Abby Wambach. And now, our discussion with Graham Walters. Graham, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Really exciting times over here at DraftKings and your fairly new headquarters. And I guess we should start how we met through Weber Torres. He made the, the intro. It was when your headquarters used to be in our headquarters. Yeah. At 125 Summer. Before we get into the exciting things going on at DraftKings, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in this place, in this career path? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like a lot of HR professionals that I talk to HR is kind of one of those things that was an opportunity that presented itself that they took advantage of and wasn't necessarily something they were planning on being when they were going through college or majoring in whatever their major yeah, not was. Not a lot of people majored in HR. Not, not a lot. At Although least it's their first a, major. We have had a few on the podcast that have majored in some something us, around that area. Some of us are gifted with an understanding early of what you want to do and some of us are not. <laughs> um, but that was not me. No, I started out with a degree in operations management, went into mutual fund accounting, which was a terrible profession at that point in time not too interesting. <laughs> and I had the opportunity to go into compensation consulting. But that wasn't really when I quite found my way yet in HR. It was kind of how I got my foot in the door. I realized that this was something I wanted to do for the rest of my career when I took a little break. So one of my other passions outside of work is brewing beer and I guess drinking beer as well. <laughs> and I helped uh, my a friend. Uh, <laughs> Always happy. Not to, brewing. Ha- I'm more on the other side. <laughs> I'm happy to teach both. <laughs> All right. <laughs> a friend of mine that was one of my coworkers when I was in compensation consulting and I had developed just a mutual love of beer. And we had picked up home brewing. And I think this was maybe 10 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. And it was right in kind of the middle of the craft beer boom. We liked what we were doing. We're like, let's take a step back. Maybe we can do something cool with with brewing. And had spent a good four years putting together plans for a brewery, a lot of home brewing, building recipes, mm. and put together a whole business plan and launched a brewery. You know, in the process of doing that, we uh, got pregnant. I was about to have two children, one of which was a brewery and one of which was a baby, <laughs> and had to make some life decisions about which one was more important to me. And it wasn't much of a decision because my family's more important. But going through that process was really interesting uh, because it allowed me to t- kind of take a step back and understand how the work I was doing was directly influenced by the purpose of the business that we were working in. Mm. And having a better understanding of broader business skills and business strategy was helpful in kind of coming back to HR. Because I was able to say, you know, I built a whole business plan, built a successful business, and, you know, took a step back before we took the final step. Fortunately, he's doing great. It's called (laughs) Castle Island Brewing Company. 
Highly no recommend it down in Norwood. I've, I've, I've had it before. Highly recommend it. You were right there at the founding oh, of Castle yeah, it was, Island. It was in my, started in my garage. Um, wow, yeah, I didn't know yeah, that about yeah, you. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so it's great. He's taken it all the way and, uh, yeah. and executed really well. Oh, it's you can see it in liquor it's stores everywhere around everywhere. the region. I don't know, yeah. the outside of Massachusetts now, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. 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 Yep. In New England. But... It also allowed me to take a step back and say, okay, I'm fully committed now. I'm back into HR. I, I think I've learned a lot of lessons about how not just something kind of in our specific functional area of expertise, mm. but more as a business person. Right. And I was better able to understand kind of the application of what we we're doing to business strategy. That's really so cool. That was really the kind of the turning point for me of, I think, of being a better HR professional because I think I was better able from that point forward to support the partners that I work with across the business. Right, you're thinking about the whole organization exactly. instead of just the discipline. Exactly. Wow, that's cool. Well, tell us about DraftKings. There's so much going on. You have IPOs and acquisitions and yeah. growth and a beautiful new headquarters. This is amazing here. Yeah, we've got a lot going on right now. I mean, we're right back on the rocket ship. We're right at that point where sports betting is being legalized across the U.S. And it's an opportunity for DraftKings with, with what we've built throughout Daily Fantasy Sports to be able to go into new states as they open up and they legalize sports betting to really position ourselves to be one of the top operators across the U.S., which is just a huge market. Yeah, in Daily Fantasy Sports, you are, I think, Daily top. Fantasy Sports, we are the leading uh, right. Daily Fantasy Sports provider as well. Can you uh, explain the business? Because I don't think sure. every, I think a lot of people know fantasy from getting together at the beginning of a football season with their friends and picking teams. That's yes. not this, but it's, it's not part of it. Yeah, so we have right. a couple different products, right. right? So there's our core business, which is Daily Fantasy Sports. Daily Fantasy Sports, just think about it for a specific night or in the case of golf over a weekend, you know, you have one series of sporting events and your job is to be the general manager of a team. You have a certain amount of money to spend and each player is assigned a salary. You pick who you think the best performing players are going to be for the salary that you have and then compete either against friends in a small league or against a much larger group of people in larger contests to win millions of dollars to see who has set the best lineup. Like the commercial you had where somebody's jumping up and down in the, exactly. the Patriots jersey. Right. Exactly. It right. just makes sports more fun. Right. right. When right. you got something on the line, you're playing against friends or against other people. It's sure. like who, you know. Who has the better strategy? Right. right, and the TV ratings for the NFL have proved that this is really working for them. Yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think uh, it's one of those things where when you have other ways to enjoy the sports that you're watching, it just makes it better for everybody. Exactly. So, what are the other businesses? You talked about that one. What are the that's other? Core. There's that's There's also core. sports betting. So that's the one that's kind of new and hot, along with I guess the one I'll get into in a second. But sports betting is being legalized as we speak in more states across the U.S. Mm -hmm. I mean, sports betting is more straightforward. You can bet on the outcome of an event. So you can bet on who's going to win, who's going to win against the odds. You know, you can do parlays. You can do a bunch of different things. You can do prop bets and teasers. I don't even know all the different kinds right, of bets right. you can do. <laughs> but there are a lot of different things where you can bet on certain specific outcomes, whether it's games or who's going to score the next touchdown or who's going to score the first touchdown or yeah. who's going to have how many yards. A lot of different ways that you can get into the sports betting piece. Mm. Uh, and then there's online casino, which is things like slot machines um, or you know blackjack, live dealers things, um, yeah. just different games that you might see. And that's casino. newer for DraftKings, that business? Is both it? sports betting and online casino are both newer, uh, yeah. both where we kicked off in New Jersey and we'll continue to launch those things as we go into different states as we go forward. Amazing. I think a lot of people don't know all of what's going on in the yeah. VR industry. That's yeah, really absolutely. Cool. I mean, it's all, it's all new yeah. um, and all just kind of greenfield across the U.S. as those things come online. We're really one of the only U.S.-based providers. We have a lot of competitors from 
from Europe mm -hmm. that are coming in trying to get involved in the same space. But the laws a little bit more liberal on this type of thing in Europe or in other parts of the world? Each country is regulated a bit differently. Mm. So I can't say it's more or less strict as much as it's already determined what those regulations are. Ah. I think some of what's happening across the U.S. is they're learning from what has happened overseas as well. So you must have a huge department just keeping track of the laws in all the places. You're oh yeah, we're, we're very invested in regulatory and yeah, compliance. Yeah, I imagine that's a huge part of your yeah, operation. And, yeah. You know, I think it's very important to us to make sure, obviously, that we're compliant with all the regulations, but also we're a responsible gaming company, right? right? So right. I think those are both areas that are important to us. So what's it like seasonally? I imagine the NFL is the biggest thing. Oh yeah, I mean, NFL is our Super Bowl and everything leads up to NFL season. So we ramp up, we hire a bunch of seasonal customer experience folks. A lot of our marketing and advertising is geared towards NFL season. That's when a lot of our players play. That's when yeah. the bulk of you know, the business get done. It's, it's kind of like the, the retail, you know, between Thanksgiving and Christmas is 80% of the year. Yeah. Is it the same kind of thing? The so NFL it's, season it's getting is... a little bit different for us as we've expanded to different products. Okay. But uh, for daily fantasy sports, for example, the biggest time is from uh, NFL kickoff throughout mo much of the regular season. And I think the playoffs are still big, but it kind of, you know, trails off. There's not enough the players as you go. Right. Okay. Sports betting is a little bit different because sports betting, I think, more culminates with the Super Bowl. Ah. Uh. And I think that casino goes along with that when the money's, uh, you know, when people have put money on the site and it goes along. Yeah, so I yeah. think that as we've added more sports, as we've differentiated, I think it diversifies a bit. Right. But NFL season, it is. we ramp up yeah. for NFL season. You wouldn't season. be what you are without no, the NFL. You know, right. I think for right. most companies, you work at them and summer is quiet. Here, absolutely not. because <laughs> oh, you're Everybody preparing. ramps yes. all through. That's when the planning happens. Yeah. So we go through the summer and it's like, as a as an HR function, we do not do much that's external facing that requires business involvement throughout the summer. You don't want to pull them out of it. We don't chairs. want to pull them out of it. Right. Everything is geared towards kickoff uh, right. for September. You can do your community events now as exactly. things are winding down. Right. We try to do them very early, so we <laughs> yeah. like you know usually have our, a summer outing or something. Right. Like early June. <laughs> that's great. So we talked about the growth, the amazing growth, the acquisition, the headquarters. It always hasn't been just a smooth upward trajectory. Has it? That's true. No, it, tell it's, us about uh, the. It's been a bit of a roller here? coaster. I've been here for four and a half years. Okay, so but you've seen a lot August of the growth. Of 2015. <laughs> no, each year's each year's felt like one or two different lifetimes at a different company. <laughs> you know, it's funny when I'm recruiting new people on the team. I go through uh, kind of the history of DraftKings as I've seen it, but how I like the team has kind of been built as we've gone along, and it kind of mirrors different iterations of the company at different points in time. Yeah. So when I started back in August of 2015. That was really when Daily Fantasy Sports was in its prime. And DraftKings and FanDuel, which is one of our main competitors. In you Daily almost Fantasy merged Sports, with them. Almost. Right. We were the top providers, and we were the two top advertisers, I think, in the country for the year of 2015. So basically, Complete, you could not go anywhere. All advertising. All advertising. Wow. And leading up to NFL that year, I'm pretty sure there were most people who are not even sports fans were like, oh, more DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing DraftKings That's and FanDuel. I do remember right? that, yeah. Which, you know, is still honestly paying off for us because I think the brand awareness and sports awareness that built up over that period of time has actually been still very helpful right. uh, for it's us. It's the first move or play, right? The brand awareness Absolutely. is out there. Yeah. Absolutely. But obviously going into that period of time, we had some regulatory challenges leading into the NFL season. I think that there were a lot of questions, is daily fantasy sports legal or not? I think we had left the state of New York for a period of time. And what that really allowed us to do is kind of take a step back and look a bit inward. And I think one of the things that we'll probably talk a bit about from a cultural perspective is allowed us to really lean on kind of the core things that are important to us here mm -hmm. in terms of 
community and passion and commitment. I think a lot of people just believe in what we're doing. Mm. Um, so as we kind of fought and clawed to get back into New York and really solidify our regulatory standing across the U.S., mm. we were able to really rely on the team that we had here. So really for a year after that, a lot of the focus was on, you know, it wasn't growth phase anymore. We weren't another rocket ship at that point in time. Right. It's, let's make sure that you know, the foundations of the business are solidified and we have a solid regulatory framework across the U.S. Mm. because this is something we all believe in. When you talked about the culture, really, what do we believe in, what are we committed to, how did it look as far as that conversation? You know, I think it was more positive than most people probably would have expected. Obviously, there were these external forces and factors and challenges that were out there. Um, And I think employees were a bit galvanized by Ah. this. I'm like, you know what? We believe in this company, and we're going to make this happen. Ah. Whatever it takes. It was almost like a family, I think, at that point in time. Mm. Uh, Not that it isn't right now, but I think that those kind of things bring you together. And a lot of those people are still here now because they believe in what the company's doing. Right. That's great. How would you describe the culture today and the values of this organization? A lot of those things still hold true. Mm. I think the first thing I realized when I came here and even interviewed on the first day was just the lack of cynicism. Like it was, it was refreshing, right? It was like the passion here. Everybody actually cares about what they're doing. They're here because they have cool challenges, cool problems. They like the people they work with. It's a community of people that just enjoy getting work done. So I think that that a lack still of cynicism true. in Boston. It was, it's rare. <laughs> I mean, there's still cynicism when it comes to certain things, but not the company. Everyone wants to be here. They like coming into work. We have a lot of interesting problems to solve, mm. and it's not just sports. Um, I think that there's kind of a misperception. Yeah. yeah what is the misconception? Yeah. Of what it's like to to be here? I think that people's perception maybe of DraftKings as an employer is the same as. DraftKings, the consumer brand. Mm. Um, so you know, we have a we have conversations with candidates all the time. Like, what is it like to work at DraftKings? I'm like, I promise you, it's not a bunch of people running around throwing footballs and doing cake <laughs> stands. Uh, you know, it's just like probably what you'd see at a lot of other technology companies. I mean, right. we are a technology company. Yeah, we have a lot of engineers and people that come to work here, not just because they like sports, although that's a great reason to come work here. Right. It's also because the challenges from a technology perspective are just extremely interesting, mm. and the volume and the the problems caused by thousands and hundreds of thousands of, uh, of users on the site over the NFL season at very specific points in time ah. cause unique site challenges. Ah. And how's that different than some of the other tech companies? When you're looking for talent, that surge of complex things coming together with a lot of users on the site at the same time or in a particular platform, what, is, what does that mean for talent acquisition and the kind of p- people you bring in? I'll hit on a couple things. Number one, that specifically, I think, just frames the challenge associated with what people can do here. And I think that when you have engineers, what they like to do is they like to solve problems. They like to see interesting things, and they like to see something that your company can offer from a challenge perspective they may not see somewhere else. Right. So that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is you're building something that can handle this massive scale. We need builders, and that's not even just in engineering, that's across the board. Right. When you're a startup, things need to get built and built to scale, Right. and everything's new. So right. you want people that come in that are energized by that. They right. want to come in, they want to see, you know, that's a problem, I'm going to solve it. Right. Or, you know, that hasn't been done before, but that doesn't mean we're not going to do it right now. People that want the challenge. The unpredictable and yeah. to ramp up to a big challenge. That's right. great. You've shared a couple things already, but uh, what's something you're proud about with regard to the people function here and the things you've accomplished with regard to people strategy or HR? So I think for the people strategy as a whole, I think what I'm really proud of kind of continues what we were talking about in terms of the life cycle of the company Mm -hmm. and being able to support the different phases of the company and having a function that has enabled the company to be as successful as it's been. When we talk about the point in time where we're, you know, hunkered down, 
we're able to kind of bring out the best in people and, you know, through communication and culture, able to mm. make sure that the company is able to execute on some of those tough challenges related to what might be a real drain from a talent perspective as people leave, which wasn't really. Uh, and we did not actually experience that much of a spike in attrition. Actually, the attrition, I think, was super low in the single digits over that period of time. That's amazing. Going to the next kind of phase in time where we were uh, you know, focused on our planned merger with FanDuel that didn't quite go through, where, again, it was back to let's be a bit introspective about ourselves and let's understand what a complementary function might look like. And even though that failed, we still did not have significant attrition. Hmm. Then getting to sports betting is going to go live, let's make a big bet here. Let's build an HR function that can actually scale the company to grow 2, 3x over the course of the next couple of years. So really building a talent acquisition engine that can support that from a group of just a handful of people to now 25. Mm. Then getting to the next phase where we are right now where we need to scale. So as you build the function, now we need to build out a talent management function that can enable the people that are here to grow their careers at the same pace as the company. So that's kind of the next phase. And now we're in kind of uh, to the next point where we're focusing on effectiveness, efficiency, and analytics. Mm. Um, yeah, you mentioned to yeah. analytics to me before. Tell me what you're doing in analytics. What's, what's interesting So we're there? trying to invest a lot in analytics. And one thing that's true across the company that, that we realized is DraftKings is extremely analytical. Every part of our company has a dedicated analytics team. Mm. The one group that really didn't up until last year was the people team. So, you know, talking across organizations, like, why, why do we not have this? <laughs> we absolutely need this to keep pace with everything else that's going on. Right. Um, so we've, we've built out a team. We have a team of two right now, and we have another requisition. Dedicated to analytics. Dedicated to analytics. Right. Another rec that we're hiring for that. One, we need to keep track of just regular metrics and KPIs, things that we want to keep a pulse on. What is our attrition? You know, mm. how is hiring going? Right. What did, you know, performance management look like for this year? Kind of the, the standard stuff. Sure. The next is just wanting to make sure that when we do something, when we have programs, we set it out with a with a goal, with a target. Did we set out to do what we accomplished and what did we learn from it? Can you give an example of that? Yeah, what would that would yeah, look yeah. like? A good example of how we're looking into that in particular would be performance management for, you know, that's probably something that's topical at this point in time for most people anyway. Sure. Where we're going into performance management this year, part of it is looking into, I guess, what everybody looks at, how many people are actually doing it. What is the real-time reporting? Where can we find those gaps right. uh, in participation? But also an understanding of, did this take less time? Was this more efficient for you? We're in the process of doing real-time feedback. Do employees feel like they got better real-time feedback this time mm -hmm. around? How was their review? We're separating performance review conversations from compensation oh, conversations. Yes. So smart. How did that go? Yes. Did you actually have a better conversation? Was it less of a negotiation? Was right. it not two sides? Because it's, just, defen it's just defensive if you meld them together, right? So it's there's specific a... things that were that are objectives for this year for, through performance management that we're going to be saying, did we achieve what we set out to achieve? What does the company believe? And what is the feedback that we need to action on for next time? Right. That's great. And then the next piece is beyond that is we want to be able to link together all of our people systems. From a technology perspective, there is no perfect technology. <laughs> so I think we're kind of Frankensteining together a lot of different systems. And what we don't have is a true data warehouse. And so our, our analytics team for this year, one of their big goals is building an employee data warehouse. And Are the, you using in-house technology talent correct. to help you correct. create your own? Yes. Yeah. That's really cool. Unfortunately, our engineering team is very passionate about this too, and they really believe in uh, applying 
technology to people problems as well. And they're one of the first users in this. And they're like really, that's really great. excited. We have our DBAs that are helping out our analytics team trying to set up a database. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, and what we want to do is be able to link together all of that data in one system so that we can have an understanding. You know, we launched something this year where we're trying to measure quality of hire, right? Where everybody's like, what is quality of hire? I'm sure you've probably mm -hmm. talked about this a billion times. Uh, with a lot of people, and that comes up. There's yeah. not been a great answer for it, and <laughs> our answer is one of those things that go into the data warehouse that will, and I'll, I'll explain kind of the broader vision in a second, but quality of hire in particular, we're just doing point-in-time check-ins with employees and managers starting after hire 10 days, 30 days, 90 days for employees to say, you know, as your manager meeting your expectations, you have everything you need, make sure that they're enabled, and then to check in with managers to say, was this hire to your expectations? Are they performing as you would expect they would? Then have an understanding of when they got a, when they got ramped up to speed. Right. And at the period that ends with you know, 90 and 180 days, more or less, would you have hired this person again? Right. And so it's a bit binary from that perspective, but it loops into the broader platform that will go into the data warehouse where we can say, okay, how are those scores at the beginning? As we track scores throughout an employee life cycle, we'll also be able to link in performance management scores and attrition. Mm -hmm. And we can say, you know, when we actually recruit at this school, has that resulted in a higher quality of hire than another school from our campus program? Right. Or is what we all believe, you know, from direct source candidates to employer referrals, how can we actually measure at DraftKings, are each of these candidate sources, do they result in the same quality of employee, same profile, and are there things that we should index more on the hiring side? Mm. Or things like, and for us, it's inclusion, equity, and belonging, but diversity and inclusion how can we actually empower employees throughout their life cycle here at DraftKings to experience DraftKings the same way? And how can we measure that from beginning to end? So for us, People Analytics is about the employee life cycle and being able to tie things from beginning to end and understand cause and effect and how we might make changes at different points of that life cycle to better impact something later. That's fascinating. That's great. And it's amazing you're using your own technology, your own talent. Yeah. to help you develop that. Yeah. Analytics is really the overriding thing because even your customers have an analytical approach. Right? Absolutely. It's all analytics. Absolutely. So. And I don't, I, we don't just want it to be reporting. Right. We want it to be actionable. We want insights-oriented, fact-based decision-making. So going public, yeah. what, do you, what do you have planned next? What's coming? I mean, going public is huge, yeah. right? So it's two things coming together. So I couldn't even just limit it to going public. <laughs> it's going public. At the same time that we're acquiring a company that's bigger than ourselves, right? So <laughs> oh we're God. at you know, 900 or a little over 900 employees. Yeah. We're in the process of you know, merging in this kind of three-way SPAC process with going public and merging with this other company called SB Tech, which is a European gaming platform provider mm -hmm. who has 1,200 employees. So and where are the they same, located in Europe? So they're headquartered in Tel Aviv, okay, and they yep. have offices in Bulgaria, Ukraine, UK, they also have a small office here in uh, Las Vegas. Just came so, back from there last week. So but you're global now. It's gonna be, we are. You're going to be spread across the yeah. whole world, your employee base. So we have like, More travel have for culture. you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just got back. We went to Tel Aviv and Sofia last week. Right. So there are challenges, I think, when it comes to, number one, eating the elephant, you know, on mm. uh, and bringing on board and merging together two companies. I think we're actually pretty similar culturally. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. and I think they have a great team over there. And we're very excited to have them. But there are a lot of things you have to go through from a people perspective. How are we going to merge systems and performance management and culture and communication right. and all of that kind of stuff. And just day-to-day -day process. How are we going to do you know, headcount planning and how is this going to roll into talent acquisition? How are we going to get structured? Yeah. Just all of those questions that you might expect to have. At the same time, we're saying, and we're also going to 
go public in a couple of months. So the going public piece in and of itself just requires a different level of maturity and sophistication on the part of business processes, mm. right? So from a people operations perspective, getting up to SOX compliance, it's just a bit different for employees, how you communicate, how transparent you can be, how we can transition some of these parts of the company that may not have been as uh, up to public company SOX standard or, or were just on the doorstep of it. You mm-hmm. know, it was, a, it was in the plans and now we're just accelerating a lot of our plans to get there. Great. So many great HR leaders we had on the podcast have talked about the relationship with the CEO. Could you share? Absolutely. Us? So I've been here for about four and a half years, which is, I think the company's been around for about eight at this point. And throughout that whole period of time, we have always had the same CEO and the same founders. So it's not even just necessarily Jason. So Jason Robbins is our CEO. He also has two co-founders, Paul Lieberman and Matt Kalish. It's been a really great opportunity to spend time with three guys that are kind of as passionate and committed and know as much about the company and industry as, as they do, and also kind of growing along with them and with the company. So mm. I, I came in as the director of people operations. Was it the top job? No, HR? that was not the top job when okay. I joined. And there was the head of HR. And he left five or six months after I started for a different opportunity. And you know, Jason and Matt and Paul were like, look, you're, you're here. Do you want the opportunity? And I'm like, I'm here. I want the opportunity. Uh, it would have been, I think, very easy for them to go out and find a different leader. Jason, one of the things with him is that he will fight for, for the people that are on the team and fight for what he's passionate about, which right. is employee development. And he really believes in bringing people along with the company. If yeah. you can scale with the company at the same pace of the company or faster, we'll do everything we can to make the, this a place where you can have that career. You know, when you were describing the culture earlier, this is a good example of mm-hmm. how that culture is built, right? Absolutely. It's, it starts at the top. Right. I'm sure other employees have had that same kind of experience Absol- as they've grown exactly. in the organization. Right. And I think that that's kind of one of the unique opportunities that you have in a company that grows as quickly as this. Yeah. The only place I've learned as much as this is when I worked in consulting, where you can see a million different things happen. I, I don't think I will ever work for a company where I will see as many unique things as have happened here. Wow, that's cool. So how do you set the agenda for HR and drive it inside this organization? You have this great relationship with the the leadership team, of course, um, but sometimes HR and some organizations can become reacting mm-hmm. to things. How do you make sure that's not the case and that you're you're driving the people strategy? I feel like when you're thinking about what your agenda is going to be or what your strategy is going to be, some of that is going to be listening. Uh, not necessarily reacting, but listening. Having an understanding of what the business objectives are and also what the current challenges and uh, and opportunities are across the business. So once you have a pulse on what's happening, then you kind of formulate your strategy around what the important business objectives are for the year. So like I was referencing earlier in the podcast, for one year it was focused strictly like this year we're going to build the best talent acquisition function we can build out because the company we know needs to grow. You know, we're at 350 people this year. We need to hire over 350 people because by the end of the year we need to basically build out an entirely new business unit to support our own homegrown sports betting application. Or, you know what, this year we have, you know, over 600 people. We have the engine for it, but we have a bunch of people that the reason we sold them on coming to DraftKings was the opportunity, the ability to build a career and to develop with the company like everybody else here has. How do we build a function that can support that? How do we build a talent management organization that's able to support a differentiated offering for employees for something that most people say outside of compensation is the most important thing for what they look for in a company is how can I develop there? Mm. 
you know, those are kind of the employee-facing things, but I also know from a platform perspective. We think about building people analytics, for example. I consider that an enablement and differentiating function that will allow everything else to get better. So I want to be able to find those things that are both what the business is asking for, but I think are going to accelerate growth and combine those into the strategy that I sell back to the leadership team that resonates with the rest of the business that's, strategy. That's great. Well said. We produce this podcast in cooperation with NERA, the Northeast Human Resources Association, and every time we have the NERA Emerging HR Professionals question of the podcast. And Megan Mandino is the producer of our podcast and also part of that Emerging HR Professionals group will give you that question. How do you make the move from a career specialist to a generalist? So I think if you want to make that happen, you can't just say, I'm going to do it and transition over. You have to first premeditate it. You have to have enough experience and enough desire to say, I am interested in doing X, Y, or Z. For example, I, I moved from being focused on compensation to kind of a generalist leadership type role, where I think that my experience in the past, whether it was working in executive compensation or helping to start a business, and working with different areas of the function allowed me to be able to build a foundation to transition into that role. Part of it's also finding the opportunity. It's a bit opportunistic and lucky. It may be harder when you're trying to jump from one company to another. I think it's much easier if you're already at the company. You say to your manager, I want to actually go from this role uh, where I am a specialist to being a more generalist. What can we build and add on to my role right now so I can learn a bit more about these different like the parts of the function for that move, yeah. and begin adding those pieces to your job, whether they're in stretch assignments, projects, or otherwise, where you can do those on a day-to-day -day basis. The best way to learn is to do. My path was more of uh, an opportunistic. I'm going to jump in with both feet and uh, learn on the It takes some risks. Start, some risks. start yeah. your own business and, you know. A lot of the ways that I learn are, are reading, networking, trying to find other people who are in a similar spot. I was also fortunate to have Weber here the whole time, too. That's right. Great um, guy. It's the combination of preparation and opportunity. If you know it's what you want to do, find every opportunity to, to meet with the people who are in that position and to prepare yourself. Graham, you just mentioned you, you read a lot and follow other thought leaders. Who would you recommend other people in the function follow? Maybe somebody we haven't heard of or maybe somebody we have. John Doerr for Measure What Matters, uh, Patty McCord with Powerful. Oh, of I course. We had Patty great. on the podcast, yeah, actually. Yeah, She's that, amazing. Yeah. I, I thought everything they do at Netflix is, I'm not sure whether I agree with it all or not, no. but it's very thoughtful. Well, I, I did in some of your answers. I heard, I heard some of it in yeah, some of your answers. Exactly. For so sure. I, I really enjoyed that part. Yeah, that's great. Um, David Marquet with Turn the Ship Around. He was in the Navy, led a, a submarine. Um, had some really interesting thoughts on leadership, and I found that uh, I found that great. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I mean, those were the, those, those, those are good ones. I, That's great. I read recently were pretty good. Uh, another question for you, uh, Beth Gross at TripAdvisor gave us this question. I ask every this is the only question that everybody gets. If you could write a letter of career or professional advice to Graham of 25 years old, what would you write? I would say, dear Graham. I think when you realize that if you work harder than everybody else, ultimately that will come to fruition. Be patient. Be patient. Work. work hard. <laughs> I went to UMass Amherst. Me too. Great school. A I'm absolutely. very happy I went there. I can't say enough things about my education there. But I worked at a consulting firm where everybody I felt like had gone to an Ivy League school or something else. And I'm like, God, I'm lucky. Uh, I made it here. And you know what? I'm like, I'm going to work my ass off. I may not be smarter than everybody else here. But I tell you, I'm going to be the first one here and last one to leave. And I'm always going to work harder. And no one will work harder than me. And that, I was like, that's how I'm going to differentiate myself. Wow. And you know what? It paid off. That's great. Yeah. What's the best performance you have ever seen? 
So I think the best performance I've ever seen was I was fortunate enough working here at DraftKings to go to Super Bowl 51. Where, so jealous. Oh, it was incredible. Uh, Super Bowl 51, where the Patriots came back from, I think, what was it, 28-3? 28-3. 28 Was it how many, three minutes left to go in the oh, third? Oh, it was so incredible. It was so good. They just... It, it just is. kept going, and uh, you know, I was so depressed halfway through the game, and I was sitting, and I was. You went with all DraftKings people, so I did go down with DraftKings people, but we weren't sitting together. I was surrounded by Falcons fans, <laughs> and they were actually pretty nice, but I did not like it. Uh, when it was twenty-eight they, to three, oh, they so must depressing. have been rubbing it, and they just kept. They, we kept the comeback, kept going, yeah. and by the end, I think I was rubbing it back. But it was. <laughs> it was the most, nothing. most incredible it really is. sporting event I've ever been to. There's nothing that could ever talk. I don't think a Super Bowl could ever talk that. Oh, it was, How it, it it was great. It, yeah. And obviously being a Patriots fan, for oh, me, it's like this is the, best, the ever. best thing ever. Oh, I am so jealous that you get to go to that. Graham, it's really been great having you on the podcast. I appreciate uh, you being here. It's been really cool. This I was is looking a lot forward of fun. to this. Thanks, Graham. This is fun. Of course. Thank you for listening to the Hennessy Report from Keystone Partners. Be sure to subscribe to listen to all of our conversations with leaders in HR. Go to keystonepartners.com and click on the podcast button.